Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. to the show and today my guest is Rayford Palmer. He's a family law attorney focusing on complex divorce cases. He's spent over 20 years servicing divorcing people and educating clients as well as lawyers about divorce. During that time he searched for a resource that explained the divorce grand strategy but he never found it. So he decided the only solution was to write it himself. The book is called I Just Want This Done, How Smart, Successful People Get Divorced Without Losing Their Kids, Money and Minds. So I am super excited to welcome Rayford Palmer to the show. Welcome, Rayford. Thank you for having me, Sarah. really appreciate being on your show. Oh, I'm very excited about this one because you're a family lawyer, as we say over here, and attorney, as you say over there in the States. Don't hold it against me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. (laughs) Very good. So please tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yes, um, I'm a divorce lawyer. I manage a divorce and family law practice in Illinois in the U.S. Um, I am a divorced father of two and I'm remarried and... um, So I have experienced it myself and also been a divorce lawyer for over 20 years and a lawyer for going on something like 27 years. And uh, I decided to write a book because there was nothing out there to give people the advice beyond the legal, beyond the tactical advice about child support custody. Uh, I wanted something for my clients that would explain all of the strategy that lawyers know about, but never seem to tell people. That's the purpose for the book. I just want this done. Yeah, I just want this done. How smart, successful people get divorced without losing their kids, money and minds. Oh, my goodness. Well, I know a lot (laughs) of my listeners are going to be dying to know all about this. So tell us, why did you come to write this? I know you just said that there were things that you wanted to share, but were you seeing clients making the same mistakes or the same problems coming up time and time again? Yes, and I think like you've talked about in in your books and and also in in the material you've put out for your clients, there is a lack of education and understanding in the divorce universe. And divorce lawyers are not trained to be teachers. (laughs) They they basically were trained in law school and, and as we go out on the job to be very analytical and solve the case problem. And unfortunately, the client sort of falls by the wayside. And and that's partially a function of the way the system works in terms of how people are educated and trained, but, and maybe some would say that it's intentional, but, and there are some lawyers out there that are bad actors who unfortunately take advantage of people's emotions and blow cases up, which is something I really rail against in my book. I'm a big advocate of alternative dispute resolution. That's a really good thing and a good point you raise there because like in any profession, there are you know good lawyers and great lawyers and bad, terrible lawyers. I call them the dark side of family right. law. 
<laughs> I, I know you've got I, another name for them. I call them swamp creatures, but yes, it's the dark side for sure. I love swamp creatures. I might I might borrow that from time to time if that's okay. I'm not sure how popular it's going to make me, but but like I said, there are good guys, but then there are the other side who sometimes you know are a little confusing, maybe to create more of an income stream from a client. And I guess you know I'd love to find out from you during this podcast the sort of things that clients can do to make sure that they aren't going down this, this crazy route where in order to get divorced, they end up paying such huge fees for the right. legal advice. Right, you're, you're right. The fees can be astronomical. Certain cases in our state in Illinois have gone into the millions. Uh, we've had cases that are in the several hundred thousand dollars US. So you're right, the fees can be really ridiculous, especially considering the size of the dispute. So one thing I talk about the book, a lot of the book centers around having a careful cost benefit analysis, like a business like approach to a divorce. And that is understanding what your potential outcome range could be in a case. So it's never one answer. With the court, it's usually a range of possibilities from A to B. So understanding what that range is, getting a realistic assessment of that, potentially getting a second or even third opinion from other lawyers. And divorce coaches are incredibly valuable in helping assess this as well. So getting more than one opinion on something that's so valuable and so important is important to make the proper decision about whether to settle the case, what the settlement should look like, and, and when that should occur. Unfortunately, this is sort of a mystical thing, and a lot of lawyers aren't very good at demystifying it or explaining it to people. And I, you could say some of it is intentional. I think a lot of it is just the lack of training in bedside manner among a lot of divorce lawyers. Yeah, because I think that's something as obviously I've been through my own divorce. And one of the things that I noticed right at the beginning was that my lawyer would strip out all the emotion from all the correspondence. And I've learned since obviously that is what you're supposed to do. Right. But for me, I had so much emotion that I needed to feel that was being heard. And I yes. needed to have it addressed in some way because I was struggling to make decisions because of the hurt and the pain and the anger at times. And I've seen this repeated with so many clients frustrated sure. that their emotions aren't getting across to their ex, or maybe it's clouding their judgment. Is this something that you've seen? Yeah. So, so to show that disconnect, so in initial consultations, the traditional lawyer's initial consultation is to say the client calls and they're upset, understandably. They want to talk about the situation and tell their story. The typical lawyer interrupt. They said, well, my husband just left me. And the lawyer's first question is, how much does he make it per year? What, what's his income? And the lady says, I just wanted to tell you what's going on. I just had this horrible thing happen. But the lawyer's thought is, how much does he make? How much do you make? How many kids do you have? How old are they? And it's horrible. That's People want to tell their story. And, and like you said, they need to be heard and lawyers are traditionally looking for the facts and they're analytical. So they're, they're ships passing in the night. And so there's a big disconnect, which is why coaches are so critical. They fill a lot of that need. And it's, uh, it's something a lot of lawyers don't understand. So this book was developed to fill some of that knowledge gap in terms of the, the strategy and the big picture material that lawyers just don't tell people. And it's so I find that... Um, there, you're right, there's a major disconnect between the, the practical details of a divorce case and the emotions. And, and we 
one thing we talk about is I mentioned the book is the 90-10 rule, as I call it. 90% of the things that people deal with in divorce can't be addressed by a lawyer because they're emotional, they're communicative, they're issues related to dealing with children or the future, the soon-to-be ex or the family, the, the broader family, the community. And lawyer can only deal with 10% of it, but lawyers don't really like telling their clients that they're, they're limited with the tools they have. Uh, one thing I talk about with the tool set is there really are only two tools. Talk to the other lawyer, meaning try to negotiate some settlement or resolve the issue or go to court. Other than that, there really are no other tricks in the, in the bag, so to speak. Yeah, that's very true, I suppose. And, and if that was sort of made that clear and that obvious, maybe at the get-go, it would give us a, a bit of an understanding because you're going into this and, and you know, your title of your book is How Smart Successful People Get Divorced. You know, you can be smart and go in, but within one hour of meeting your lawyer for the very first time, you can feel like a complete idiot because the jargon is so different, it's so complicated, sometimes intimidating. Right. And on top of that, obviously, a lot of us are emotional and we're not thinking straight, or well, clearly at least. Um, and it can really damage your confidence as you sit there just feeling completely confused. And then at that point, decide quite often, and I see this all the time in my clinic, just to hand everything over to the lawyer to run, to make the decisions, because right. you don't really understand. It's a bit embarrassing to ask what an FDR is or what the difference between a barrister and a lawyer is, because maybe you think, oh, I should probably know that. And then the case gets a little bit out of control. Have you seen this in your history of working with these clients? Absolutely. It's a very, very similar. It's just, the problems are the same, whether US or UK. Um, there's this disconnect between the needs of the client and what the lawyer thinks the problem is to be solved. And one way I like to put it is the, the lawyer, the, when clients come to a lawyer, they're not looking for a lawsuit. They're looking for a divorce. They don't want a divorce case. They want to be divorced. <laughs> they, they, that's why it's, I just want this done. At some point in every divorce case, even the person that may not want to get divorced, at some point they get exasperated and exhausted and they know it's inevitable and they just say, I want this done. I, I want this over with. And people don't like a long divorce. They don't age like fine wines. People like them to get over with, which is why your book about the split is so significant. And talking about how there's a way to do it in 30 days. I agree with that wholeheartedly. If people can set the emotions aside and start to get practical, they can get done much, much sooner with much less cost. Now, I kind of think you have to take the emotion out when you're dealing with the legal side and treat that almost as a business. Like if you were going to work, you had your work for the day to do, you're not going to cry over a difficult decision. Well, hope, hopefully not. You know, um, you're going to work it through. You're going to have discussions in a certain way, even if you don't like the person on the other side, you've just got to find a way to make it work. And I think having that approach to a divorce can be really helpful. But, and I have to caveat that, is you have to deal with the emotions separately. Now, whether that's with a coach or a family member or, you know, whatever your strategy is for coping with that, you have to deal with them separately. You can't leave them without addressing them, I think, which... That's, yeah. that's, a, that's absolutely right, which is why coaches are so critical. And having a divorce coach, having a counselor, a therapist is, is it so important because 
like I said, that emotional issue is 90% of what's going on in the divorce and the lawyers don't have the tools to deal with that. And we're not, you know, lawyers aren't trained to address that other than telling people some common sense things like, oh, let it go. Don't let it bother you. Well, that may not be what the client wants to hear. And that may not be the best answer, but the attorneys are not trained in that stuff. So sometimes a client will say those things to me and I'll recommend a coach and I'll say, or I can charge you my hourly rate to tell you common sense things my dad used to tell me when I was a kid. You know, you know <laughs> so some of it's like that, you know, don't let the bullies get to you, you know, the, those kinds of things. And um, it's important for lawyers to acknowledge these emotional issues, but then give clients tools to deal with them and not ignore them. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of lawyers downplay the emotions, may, belittle them to some extent, like, and, and I think to some extent make the clients feel small, which is really a, a big mistake. Yeah, and I think maybe a lot of that comes from, you know, they don't have the experience. Like you said, they're not trained in customer care or psychology or anything right. like that, like us coaches will be. So, I mean, like I wouldn't dream of giving legal advice. I think sometimes, you know, being able to be reassuring, say it's going to be okay, you'll get through it. But, you know, you need to go and speak to someone who specializes and actually, as you said, has the tools and techniques because it's not just giving them a pat on the back and the platitudes and your dad's advice, as you said, it's, it's deeper than that. You know, it is a profession to be able to help someone through those, that emotional roller coaster. So you, I yes. totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes for better clients. It makes for calm, reasoned clients who are better customers of legal services because they've already dealt with, or they have addressed the emotional issues with someone who's trained in that they're dealing with that material and they can then focus on a cost benefit analysis in a divorce case and make, as you said, business-like decisions about go to trial or you know, go to a hearing, don't go to a hearing, settle, don't settle, these kinds of things. When you're overcharged with emotion, your animal brain is working, not your logical brain. You're going to make illogical decisions and end up spending more money, time, and emotional energy than you should to get your divorce result. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. It's interesting because some people will say, oh, I can't afford a coach as well as a lawyer, but actually, as you said, it can actually save you 
a lot of money. And you know, most of the time, pretty much 100% of the time, coaches are cheaper than the lawyers. Yes. So you're better off crying on the phone to us than them, I suppose. But um, you yes. mentioned something there. You mentioned something about you know, going to court. And one thing that I've learned, not only from personal experience, but also from working with thousands of people around the world, lots of different countries, um, a lot of people believe that going to court is going to give them justice, it's going to give them a fair outcome, they're going to get what they deserve, and they just need to get in front of that judge, tell him what's going or her what's going on, and then there's going to be, you know, the outcome, and that's all going to be okay. Now, what's your opinion as a family lawyer on that? Unfortunately, that's largely a myth. And I talk about divorce myths in the book, and that, that's a universal truth that people feel that there will be this day of reckoning. If only I can tell the judge what a narcissist he is and what a bad person he is, uh, then the judge will understand it and, and I'll get the kids and I'll get all the money and he'll be punished. And so I, I talk about how the, you know, I say to people, the bad person doesn't get hit with a lightning bolt in the courthouse and the good person doesn't get issued a halo from the judge to say, oh, you were good, you were bad, you don't get the kids. I'm giving you all the money and the children and, and I'm sentencing the, your husband to death. It, it, it doesn't work like that, probably shouldn't work like that. The reality is a, tr a divorce trial is a very boring and stressful process. It's a, it's a recitation of a lot of dry financial information. And then if it's a custody case, as you, you know, there'll be experts sitting testifying about the children, people you don't know, by the way, getting involved in your very personal affairs which is something a lot of people don't realize, you've now allowed a person who doesn't know your family to inject themselves in your personal life and make decisions that will affect your life forever and your children's lives. So you go into court thinking, ah, oh, there'll be this film-like ending where the light will shine down, the music will play, and I'll be the big winner. And it just never, it's never like that. You're setting yourself up for huge disappointment. Yeah, and I think that comes as a massive shock, probably actually right at the end of the process when you're actually having that day. So, and then by that point, you've already accumulated huge costs. And I know, you know, lawyers may well explain some, maybe not all of the costs associated with that, because sometimes, you know, it can just spiral, like you said, it could be millions in some cases, hundreds of thousands in other cases, where it just spirals out of all proportion. Um, just because it's maybe being weaponized by the other side or maybe just new things are coming up that you couldn't possibly foresee. It's, you know, it's not like you know what you're getting into. Like, I'm going to buy this house. I know how much it is. And, you know, that's what it is. I can save up. I can budget for that. This isn't that. It's right. a never ending, you know, hole that you're chucking money into. And then right. when you get to that end, it's not taking into account either the emotional cost of the whole process. Yes, and that's one thing I try to dispel in the book is to, to make sure people understand there's far more than one cost. And people typically think of attorney's fees, obviously, but they fail to consider that I think there really are four costs. It's the attorney's fees, the emotional cost to you and your family, as you just mentioned, damage to your, your business life if you have a career because you're focused on your divorce. That's sapping energy from your life. So that's a cost. That's sort of a parasitic cost you know, sucking energy out of your life. And, and then, you know, the fourth cost is increased cash burn rate because everybody's spending more money, not just on fees, 
but people are buying clothes. They might have two homes now. Somebody's moved out into a, another place and we're spending more money because we're both doing different things with the children. So, and maybe somebody's dating and paying some money for that. So usually we have elevated expenses, not just on fees, but on everyday life. So you add all that together and you're right. The costs are very substantial on a monthly basis, not just for the trial, but getting there. So what I urge people to do is look at the realistic range of outcomes at a trial, consider what that range would be, then consider what the costs are, add that in. And if the settlement that you're talking about is somewhere within that range, you're doing well. It's never going to be the best deal. Is it, is it acceptable? Acceptable is good enough. And you move on with your life. I guess it's hard to do because unless you've been through it before, you have no idea of the scale and the escalation that's possible and also the emotional cost because, you know, that really, like you said, is all consuming. And yeah, I think it's a really good point that it impacts your business life. It affects your ability to parent. I know a lot of my clients never want to date ever again. So it affects the fun side of life in a way. there's, There's such a, and also let's not forget, you know, your state of mind. And I know you talk about that in the book. Tell us a bit more about self-care and how people can help themselves through that process. It's, it's really important to know that it, this, is a, this process is a marathon, typically not a sprint. It's going to take time. Even the fastest divorce is probably a two or three month process just to get the work done. That's even in the best case in our, in our jurisdiction. Um, and, and unfortunately, most of them take longer. So self-care is very important. And I like to use an airplane analogy where I describe to people, there's really two airplane analogies. One is uh, when the oxygen masks fall, they teach you to put the mask on yourself and then on your children. So if you're not taking care of yourself, your kids will suffer. So number one is take care of yourself. That means health, exercise, all that stuff they tell us to do, drink a lot of water, get exercise, get rest. And a lot of people lock down in divorce and stop living their daily lives or they radically change. They don't see their friends. They don't go out. And it's important that people socialize and see their family and friends and try to continue as normal a life as possible. So they have the energy they need to make good decisions and get through the process. I think you're so right. I think self-care quite often goes to the bottom of the pile because you're so consumed with having to respond to the email from your lawyer or what your ex is doing. You're trying to keep the kids together. You're trying to do everything else that you normally would do in a day on top of everything else. So it is a, a really good point. Yeah, I know you've been through a divorce yourself. Do you, yes. do you actually think it's possible to have a good divorce? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big, we're big proponents of collaborative practice, which is, you know, staying out of court and negotiating uh, divorces outside of court. And we have many clients have had what you would call a good divorce. And that is where the clients are in control of the process, where they understand what they're doing. It's a measured series of negotiation sessions where people's goals and fears are listened to in the very first meeting. And um, people get done faster with less expense and feeling a sense of control and relief. Uh-huh. And that's when you feel like you, you have control and that you have some, you have your hand in the outcome, then people are much more, 
the, the healing begins sooner because people are still a family even after they're divorced. You still have to deal with your spouse if you have your, your soon-to-be ex if you have children. And the sooner the healing can begin, the better for everybody. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a very big proponent of trying to avoid court or if the case is in court, attempting to negotiate a settlement sooner rather than later. You know, assess the information, start negotiating, start talking and get to a result preferably sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I agree. And gosh, I mean, I know Gwyneth Paltrow brought us conscious uncoupling. And I think that's fabulous if you can do it. You know, collaborative law, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Although, you know, for most of, for example, my clients, and I know many of my listeners are going through what I've termed aggressively severing, which is yes. the other end of the process. And, and that doesn't mean that they are actually going for, you know, the jugular but if you are divorcing what I call a difficult person, which covers everything from abuse just to, you know, outright selfish, then is it possible to use that collaborative law process, do you think? So I don't think collaborative is appropriate for every case. And when you're, if you're dealing with a true narcissist, borderline personality, there are folks who are just nasty and they're not telling the truth. They're bad actors. If you're in that kind of divorce, if you're in a toxic situation, there are some collaborative practitioners who believe it can still be appropriate. I've found it to not be successful in that situation. There is a need for litigation. So the process I suggest is evaluate, negotiate, then litigate as a last resort. Well, sometimes you're jumping right to step three, not by your choice, but your spouse drags you right into the swamp or into the, the dark side, like you say, and you have to go to war. If that's the case, then get ready and fight, and, but do it efficiently. So it, you sometimes have to fight. If that's the case, then the best solution is pushing the case to trial as aggressively as possible. So I, I'm all about, your know, negotiation is number one, but if that fails or is not an option, then be ready to fight, but don't fight needlessly and make sure you know what the objective is and just pursue that objective. So one thing as a guiding principle I recommend to people is when you're evaluating a decision in a divorce process, the question you should ask yourself is, will this get me more divorced? That's the way I say it. So this thing that the lawyer's telling me, the barrister's telling me, will this get me closer to the goal of being divorced or is it just stirring the pot? For example, a lot of cases in our jurisdiction in the United States get get swallowed up in what I what is known as interim litigation. The court stuff that goes on between the filing of the case and the trial, things like uh, he's late for his visitation, he never shows up on time. So what are your options? One is call the other lawyer or write an email and complain about it, or ignore it as number one. Two, complain about it. Three, file some kind of motion. If you're dealing with, let's say, a nasty type of person, this kind of dark side individual, usually this is just going to get them excited because they see it's getting your proverbial goat and they're just going to do more of it. And this is classic narcissist BPD. You're feeding the fuel on that narcissistic fire. So a lot of times we're recommending and our coaches recommend ignoring those kinds of things and don't file the motion because all you're doing is delaying the ultimate outcome of the case because you've just added in our, in our case, two or three months to a divorce case by, by dealing with these interim issues and it's not getting you closer to being done. 
Yeah, it's super, super helpful. I mean, and also that's where the costs go up and that's where, that's right. you know, the cost estimates go out the window right. because these are, you know, unexpected and it's classic gaslighting to confuse and distract. So I think that's really, really good advice. There is a gap in the market for a solution, right? That Because litigation with a difficult yes. person is a nightmare. Yes. Um, and, you know, there isn't another way forward. Like you said, you have to get into that toxic vortex of the court system which isn't set up necessarily to recognize that abusive behavior right. so and that again emotionally you know can be extremely draining on on the client so right I mean, it seems like there's a gap in the market for something that kind of gets you to the you know i just want this done that end result that you talk about but it, there's not that support for those people that that really need it in that case you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, our, our system is, whether you're in the UK or the US, our system is poorly designed for divorce cases. It is sort of cobbled together with courts of equity. And our, our system is very binary. You know, it's win-loss, guilty, not guilty. You know, that's our, our system. And it's poorly designed for shades of gray issues like family court issues. So we, we struggle with this all the time. You're right. We don't have good tool. Now, if there's extreme behavior, somebody hits somebody or you know, strikes them or abuses the children. Sure, we can address that. But it's, it's these shades of gray things where the, the dark side people know how to exploit the gaps. They, they know how to push somebody far enough. Nasty text messages, harassing voicemails, any number of things. Uh, or, you know, I, they're always 10 minutes late for the children, but they, they know never to push it too far. They don't want to get arrested by the police. They don't want to get into actual trouble with the judge. So they, they push, push, push to upset the client. And there's really not a good tool set to deal with those people. You're, you're right. There's a big gap in the market for it. And it's just the nature of the system, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that's where coaches come in. I mean, I have a retreat that I've launched in the last, it was about a year ago now since the pandemic, because what I've seen is that 80 to 90% of all my clients now coming to me are going through this kind of toxic abuse, whether it's coercive control, that emotional abuse, which is like you said, sort of not the, you know, if you turn up with a black eye or a broken arm, right. it's a lot more obvious, there's a lot more evidence. A coercive control, even though it is illegal in the UK at least, it, you know, it's very difficult to prove. And, yes. you know, that whole thing is a, is a can of worms in the family court system. And right. You've got the financial abuse, the verbal abuse, the text messages, nasty things on social media. You're right. And it's this whole spectrum of bad behavior that is very difficult to address, which you're right, is why the coaches are so important. And because in that gap, knowing how to deal with that person one-to-one, -one, sort of the, the things you talk about, Bill Eddy talks about in his books, is so important with uh, not feeding the narcissist fire or that bad actors, you know, fueling that person's behavior is so important because lawyers can't do much about that middle yeah. stuff. And you, I suppose you want your lawyer to have the magic wand, but unfortunately you can't. So yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my retreat's called How to Divorce a Difficult Person and Recover from a Toxic Relationship. And I train yeah. my coaches as well that are in training with me exactly how to help people navigate that process. Because yeah, as you said, divorcing a difficult abusive person is a very different process to just divorcing someone 
You know, right. if you're divorcing someone, you're going to argue over the piano and who has the dog at weekends. That's one thing, right? But, right. you know, when someone just wants to annihilate you at any cost and leave you with nothing, there's no hint of a fair solution. That's a very different process, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and really, I, I think my book is aimed more at the more typical divorce process, although I do talk about dealing with narcissists in the book. And uh, but it's it's important to identify what kind of divorce you're in. So, you know, who is your spouse? Who is your soon-to-be ex? What tactics will they use? So understanding the predicament you're in first. So then, you know, identifying where am I? What's the situation? And then you're right. Your strategy may be radically different depending on whether you're dealing with that abusive person or the more typical sort of run-of-the-mill divorce. You're absolutely right. And then knowing to build the proper team to help you with that case depends on the nature of the situation. Just, just like in different weather conditions, you're going to use a, an umbrella or not. You need to know what tools to use for that situation. So you're absolutely right. Oh, that's very sound advice. Really sound advice. Thank you for that. So people listening are going to want to be able to find out more about you, Rayford. How can people get in touch with you? I'm very easy to find on social media. I'm on many channels like TikTok, at Rayford Palmer. I'm on Instagram, at Rayford Palmer, Facebook. Uh, my website for my book is IJustWantThisDone.com. But I'm easy to find on Amazon just by searching the book title or my name. Uh, we're a bestseller in multiple categories now, uh, moving up the charts. I'm very excited about it. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. You're very well. You've been an amazing guest. and you're, I'm so delighted you came on. Just one last question that I'd like to ask you that I ask all my guests. So my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to know what happiness is so that even when you're going through the throes of divorce, you can spot those little moments of happiness along the way. So what is happiness for you, Rayford? That's an excellent question. Happiness is, is people, not things. Happiness to me is family, friends. Um, the things are a vehicle to be with your people. But uh, we are, humans are uh, pack animals. We are meant to be with other humans. So um, I would say people, being close to family and friends is number one. Everything else is secondary. So true, so true. Well, thank you so much. You've been a fabulous guest. And I know that you will have helped so many of my listeners. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's uh, absolutely a delight. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to IJustWantThisDone.com and get your copy of Rayford's book. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.